Today's gospel is in Luke chapter 18. We stand out of respect for the words of works and the words and works of our Savior Jesus. And here we get a parable that would teach you about the confidence of our faith as it's applied to prayer. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you who follow your dear Lord Jesus from one place to a next and ultimately to glory where he will safely bring you in Jesus' name. I want to start with something my neighbor has described for me and uh, I think I very well could have asked someone like Emily Kratz, one of our new members. She, um, she does some of these ultra races that are like crazy, like over mountain passes and like a hundred miles or more or something like that. Well, my neighbor is also insane. And uh, my neighbor does this too. His name is Luke. And um, I'm going to tell him that now you have to listen to this sermon because I brought you up in the sermon. So my neighbor Luke has done some of these long races and you go up and down a mountain pass or whatever. And it's, whether it's 100 miles or 150 miles or, or something crazy like that, uh, what he was describing to me about it um, is how he's like, I think everybody should try this because it's so cool to learn how far your body can go and what it feels like when you're like getting all beat up and worn down and to actually push through and to sort of learn and discover for yourself how strong you are. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> go, go for it, but that's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. I, maybe I'll try it someday. I don't know. But one of, the, one of the special things about it, he says, is, you know, you have like 15 miles or something like this before you'll get to an aid station. And he said, the people at those aid stations are unreal. They know, they know just what to say. They know just what you're going through. And they take these people who are always like ready to quit and stop. You know, there's like a, there's a cutoff time that sort of follows you from behind. Then if you're not staying, you know, ahead of this cutoff time, they're like, yeah, okay, we have to shut this down. Let's just go home. You know, so y you kind of have to, y you can get your rest, you can get your break or catnap or even, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. But then they're like, come on, you can do this. Go get, and we're going to 
see you. We're going to see you. We're going to get you to the next aid station, you know, to encourage you in this, this larger than a marathon, this ultrathon stuff that they're doing. And it, I think it was just, a, it landed home to imagine being in that group and to see somebody coming up the road and what they're thinking, what they've been thinking, how they figure, like, I've barely made it to this point, and how am I going to get them, you know, rejuvenated mentally and physically in a way that they're going to continue this race. That image came to my mind with Luke chapter 18, because Jesus says a parable to address that person. What did he say? I'm going to teach my disciples to always pray and what? And so it's, we're not just talking about a pattern of prayer and that prayer would ha- be like this constant thing like you're not a good disciple of Jesus if you're not praying all the time. Let's not be all behavioral about this, okay? What Jesus is getting at is a mode. And he's, he's driving at the heart of faith and pulling it out of you that you would be a person who's constantly wrestling with Scripture. And you're grabbing the words of God like Jacob and you are saying, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Maybe that is 50 prayers on the same thing. Maybe it is. But it's not like The lesson you're learning from the persistent widow in this parable today is that unless I hit time number 50, God's like, "Mm, that's not good enough. You need your 50 versions of that prayer before I open my ears and do something for you. It's not like that. There's a mode going on here that his people would pray always, would always pray and not give up. Now, go back. I I almost said, let's just read all of this because it would help people. But go back into the last verses of chapter 17, which we don't have in front of us and we didn't have them last week. We talked about the beginning of 17 with servant. The last verses of 17, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, there'll be days when you will long to see the days of the Son of Man. And you won't. And he talks about his coming, his coming again. We're at, a, we're at a special point in Jesus' ministry. He's finishing up his work that's further north, and Jesus is turning his face very soon towards Jerusalem. Jesus is beginning to spell out for disciples, okay, this is for you. He's beginning to spell out for his disciples this great culmination of his time in this world, which is right Palm Sunday and Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter and Ascension into Heaven, but also includes how that culmination and fulfillment of the kingdom of God is spilled over into disciples' lives who are not just like orphaned without Jesus around or widowed, Without my Savior by my side, I won't leave you like that, says Jesus. This whole time of discipleship for us is a time of his power and his strength, his forgiveness and his peace in the waterfall we talked about last week, pouring out into our lives. Understanding that as long as God tolerates the wicked world and is showing patience to it, you're going to suffer. The more you press in, 
I don't know if you want to pray this prayer anymore. The more you say, increase my faith, the more you will struggle with it. This is the mode Jesus is preparing his disciples, not only for his suffering and death and life to follow, but his disciples for the path that they will inevitably follow as his people. To be Christian, to share the things of God, is to be at odds and at war, to have an adversary, little widow. You will have your adversaries. And Satan is nicknamed the great adversary. So as soon as you set your face to the will of God, like Jesus to Jerusalem, so we follow the mode of our Savior, and we're going to have our opponents. And that's not going to be hard. Now who's in your hundred miler? Do you get how it comes full circle? Why I thought, boy, isn't it neat that Jesus says, I'm going to give you today, yes, I'm going to be there at the top of the pass, at the eighth station after how many miles, I'm going to look you in the eye. I'm going to, because they get on up here, take your break, I'm massaging your arms, I'm rubbing your legs down, and can you need something and water to drink? I'm going to teach you something today so that you will always pray and never get, never give up. Get back out there. Isn't that awesome? So then he tells this parable. And he, he presents a most hopeless scenario. So he comes up with, okay, Jesus is making it up. It's just a story. He's making it up. And he draws these vague details. So there's a city. Okay, there's a city. And in the city, there's this guy. Okay, and in the city, it has this guy. And he's actually uh, a role of this judge which is sort of like a civilian police officer that would be on duty. You could kind of go and talk to these people. They might be a Jew, he may be a Gentile, but hired by Rome. And these cities would all often have these like judges that aren't necessarily like only on the weekends and only at the high court can you come and visit me, but people who are sort of on the streets or, or available to you almost 24-7 that you could come and bring your case to, right? So maybe it's like that civilian police officer mode is something you could think of for this guy. But of course, Jesus is telling the story that there's this guy and there's also a widow who has a clear case of injustice on her hands. And she's crying to this officer like, you've got to do something. Whether it's some sort of obvious theft or wrong, there's an, there's an obvious problem. And she she cries out for justice, but the guy is described by Jesus in these two ways, right? He doesn't fear God. So there's no, there's no like moral compass he cares about in terms of authority or accountability for what he does under God. And what's the other thing? And he doesn't care for people. They can give him all the puppy dog. You know, you can go widow and grab like your, your sister's kids and babies and hold them in your arm and just look. We're starving to death because of what this guy did to me. And he's, I don't care. And he doesn't care if the whole city hates his guts. He doesn't care if everybody's like, yeah, that officer, he's not worth even talking to because he never handles any cases fairly. He is the complete 
wild card. Or I guess he's worse than a wild card because you don't even get good outcomes. You just get bad outcomes. The, why even talk to him? So he doesn't care about people. He doesn't care about what people think. He doesn't care of his reputation in the city about justice. You can do your puppy dog eyes, you know, with your pleas before him and say how desperate and obvious everybody else knows this is unjust and he won't care. And in that situation, do you think that this widow has any chance? Is there any hope for her? And I want you to think deeply about it because that is the language the church has. That is the language you find yourself using. We get there, we go there in our hearts. It's a long walk in this world. And you know what makes time go slow? Trouble. Time flies when you're having... What slows it all down? I imagined a house, and if you're like OCD, and you see a picture frame that's just... Hey... Come on. That's not right. And then, you know, throw somebody off by taking, uh, you know, taking some animal that's on a shelf, some stuffed thing or statue thing, and like turn it around so it's backwards, and somebody say, that's not right. And you have to flip it back. Things on the floor, like a stain, like you can't just, I can't just leave it there. I can't just leave this there. I've got to clean it. You know, I've got to, got to do something about it. That's not right. There's something about our lives where all of this gets the attention, right? This is what always gets the news because the news is going to suck you in when we can highlight like trouble, especially like nuanced trouble, debated trouble, conflict. Oh, we love some conflict. Oh, oh, that's not right. Yeah, it's not right. Now you're going to watch, aren't you? It's not right. Now your attention's drawn to it. That's right, that's right, I can bypass it. That's not right. Wait a second. And we get attention, right? So all of these unright things get your attention. Who are the people, if you were to pick in a lineup, who are most in tune with what's not right? Not OCD. Can I say believers? Would that make sense to you? The more your faith increases, quote unquote, the more you are aware of the will of God and what's at work in the world, the more you press in, little servant, to the duty under the sun that we talked about last week, right? The things that you can do for God, what God asks, what God wants, what God visioned for the dream, right, of relationships with people, the more you go, ah, the more you do that to your own heart, the more you do that in relationships, the more, ah, the, why am I talking like this? Why am I so angry and upset, the more you recognize your house has much worse than crooked picture frames. Your house is on fire and there are rats running through your basement, you know, with like a flooding. There's just so much that's gone wrong. You get down on your hands and knees because you realize that, ah, 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 of the world. Jesus knows this that there is a plan and there is a will and there is a way of God that goes through it and, it, and it, what did it amount to for him? 
Suffering and the cross and payment for sins, not avoidance of it, but into the fire, to suffer hell's fire for us. You are in tune with evil like other people are not in tune with evil. You are sensitive to it, and I pray we grow in that sensitivity, not a desensitivity to it, in a way of our awareness increasing, that I would more recognize the pride of my heart rather than not recognize the pride of my heart. I would more recognize its greed and selfish ways, and pastor, please help me understand this, and I'd have it more and more exposed to me that brokenness of me in the mirror much more than a broken mirror. It's me that's broken. It's this that doesn't work. And now I'm going to give myself a neck injury. Uh, my, uh, oh, that's not right. That's not right. The injustice of the world. So Jesus brings you to this person whose life looks hopeless, whose opportunity for justice is hopeless. And all she does is keep at it. I won't let you go unless you bless me, right? She keeps at it. And what does the unjust judge do? And Jesus says, listen to his words. And now he's giving, <laughs> he's giving the words too. And it's kind of funny because he says, this is what the unjust judge says. Well, I don't fear God because everybody's so self-aware that what you what Jesus says you are, he comes out your mouth. I am not one who fears God, and I do not care for people. So he says this, and then he also says what? But because she's so annoying, because, because she's not going away, and I wonder, she's going to get in my face, and she's just going to wear me down. She is exhausting me. And so just for the fact that she'll go away if I give her justice, I'll give her justice. There's not anything in his heart for her, for God, or for justice. But there is for not being annoyed because he's that selfish. And because of that, he gives her justice. I'll see that she gets justice so she'll go away. And you, the people of the Lord, who get neck injuries, crying out to God day and night for all that is wrong, look what the devil is doing in my house. Will God not see that you get justice. Listen, he says, to what the unjust judge says. And then he goes straight to the comparison with God. I told you we're talking about prayer, but it's more a faith confidence thing that leads you to pray. When Jesus draws the lines up of the parable and explains it, does he say, look at what the persistent widow did. Now you go and do that. And good, now I've taught you. I've taught you to not give up by imitating her actions. He doesn't do it. How does Jesus teach you to not be weary? Are you ready for this? 
How does Jesus teach you to not be weary and never give up and to always pray? He takes the unjust judge. He says, listen, he, for the sake of not being annoyed, gave the widow justice. How much more then? Now it's time for you to think about your relationship with the one to whom you cry day or night whenever the issues arise. What is his response going to be? If the unjust judge says, I will see that she gets justice. Can you believe that happens in this lesson? It comes out of his mouth. It's just a story. Okay, he made it up. So he can say that. But his whole point is to say this, listen, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? This highlight in your Bibles, memorize that verse. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? Just like that, it ushers in a story. And it starts from eternity. He said his chosen ones. Why did God choose you? There's always two things Scripture highlights when it comes to God's choosing people from eternity. His grace and what Jesus did on the cross. On the basis of Christ, in the free mercy of God, we got to explore this on Friday Bible class just this last Friday. So if you want to talk or hear more on this topic, go watch the YouTube, okay? The grace of God and what Jesus did on the cross form the basis of God's choosing you from eternity so that in time, God freely and willingly delighted to bring the word of God into your life. God freely delighted to send his Holy Spirit that you would believe in him. This is God's activity changing your world. It's God for you. Now that's a different kind of judge than a judge who's purely self-interested and I'll only do it so you stop being annoying and in my face, right? This is completely different. It's when you were hostile, when you were enemies, when you were stuck in sin, when you're in your entire hell sickness and damnation I chose from eternity that you would be mine and I knew that Jesus was going to take your sins away and I would send my son on the basis of Christ and my free grace you are the chosen ones. It's a story. And now your history with that judge goes way back with an arrow that never ends. And it also points forward with an arrow that never ends. And will he not see that they get justice and get that justice quickly, right? Isn't that a beautiful line? He will do it. If we aren't praying, is it because faith has forgotten the real God? If you're not praying, is it because faith has lost the story? 
Do you believe that Jesus is coming? We say this, what, every week? Maybe we just take it for granted in the heart. Do you believe that Jesus is coming again? That's really all that Jesus is saying here. Am I not coming again? Am I not ruling over this world and going to serve as the judge of all? Will I not judge all the earth? Am I going to do that or not? Am I? Am I? Am I? And if there's a person who says yes, then you have just answered his last question as food for thought. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And the church says, yes! Yes, you will! And you and I have that opportunity of self-reflection to say God is calling me to faith in, uh, in him to come back again, that he's still doing his thing despite what I see in this world. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a story we live in and Jesus highlights it with, will not God bring justice for his chosen ones? Am I coming back or am I not? Or will I just bait and switch Yes, someday I'm going to return in glory. Someday you're going to be in heaven. No, I just made that up. You're actually just going to suffer here in this planet forever and then go in the ground. Is that what's going to happen? No. He'll see that they get justice and quickly, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, in a flash, in a twinkling. Can you imagine? You think, boy, day to day, it's like God's never going to come. And for Peter reminds us, like, God is not slow in keeping his promises as we understand slowness. You need to, in your prayer life and in your faith life, recognize God isn't stuck with time as you experience time. You might say, oh, another day. God is never coming again. This judge keeps putting me off. He keeps putting me off. When are you going to come? I, uh, the us of the world are throwing me off, Lord. When will you come? How long? How long? How long? We say, Right? Does he keep putting you off? Jesus says, absolutely not. There's a heart of faith here that sees a beautiful story of a God that is so in tune and so aware. He gets it, what it's like. Get up this mountain. Let me rub your shoulders. Let me teach you how to not be weary. And I'm going to do that by showing you a God who never lets you go. I have thought about you from eternity. You're not an afterthought, and I don't get distracted. He who watches over you will never slumber, nor will he sleep. And he doesn't look the other way. Way either he always is fixed on you you have always been the apple of his eye you have always been the center of the story and you are the thing he longs he longs for you and to take you home that's the message you walk away from this parable with today that's why you don't lose heart losing heart would mean that god has quit on me so then don't stand up and confess the creed later on as if any of that were true who is he? What does he do? Is he real? Let the real God stand up. And he does. And he speaks. Will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who call, call out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? No way.
Jesus says, I tell you the truth. He will see that they get justice and quickly. And it's your gift of increased faith to see it too. And pray without giving up. Amen.